Get 50% off the safe system for social and generalized anxiety over at quietbegins.com. Get a deal and a break at the same time. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. Welcome, welcome. So glad you're here. If this is your first time, hello. This is your <laughs> this is your uh, second time. Hello again. And if this is something that you listen to weekly, it's great to have you back. Today, I have a couple things I want to talk about. And uh, one of them is when family and loved ones try to be helpful. When they tell us things they think will help us get better or become a better person or improve or heal in some way. And they have good intentions, but their words or actions aren't always helpful. I got an email once that said, I want to ask you about my family who tries to be supportive, but they end up making things worse. They give me the typical family advice, which is you should go outside and exercise more. You, you just need to eat healthier. And she says, I wonder if you could dish out some advice for those families who just want to help. And she's talking about her own uh, issues with depression. She said, over the years, I've lost patience with depression. I get exasperated when people say the wrong things, but I don't have the energy to explain the big picture to them. I think we can all relate to that. I think when we're going through something, it is hours and hours alone. It feels like there's nobody else that will understand some of the things that we're going through. This is sort of like when I created my podcast back in 2013. I talk about all these issues on my podcast and, you know, it would be great if my family tuned into it. Like, hey, everyone, I have a podcast. Check it out. I have the show and maybe you can listen to it and give me your feedback. But my life was the culmination of events that led up to the point where I went through trauma and dysfunction and bad relationships and good relationships and bad jobs and good jobs, and just like everyone. We went through all these steps and we learned a lot throughout our life to the point where we made decisions based on all those steps and we have general feelings and thoughts about what we've experienced in life and how we feel today. Uh, some people get depressed. Some people have been dealing with that for a long time. Some people get anxiety and they also deal with that. And some people are generally happy and they don't have to think about that kind of stuff. And some people just aren't in that same space with us and they can't really relate. 
So they say things that have well-meaning and good intentions, but the things they say aren't really helpful, at least in what I'm talking about today. Some of the stuff that people share with us maybe aren't as helpful as they could be or maybe just completely clueless. I don't know how many times you've received input or advice from someone. I mean, sometimes you hear them start talking and you go, okay, this is going to be really pointless, but I'll listen because I'm polite. <laughs> I've done that myself. Like, okay, I'll, I'll listen to your advice. But, you know, coming from uh, a younger person that hasn't experienced anything that I just described, okay, I'll listen. And maybe sometimes there'll be wisdom there. I'm certainly not closing my mind to it, but I've already got my skeptical filters on and I'm probably not going to get a lot from it. However, I have been surprised. I have been surprised by people 20 years younger than me that haven't had the same experiences as I have come out with some amazing words. So I always keep my mind open, but for the purpose of today's episode, there are those people out there that want to help, but they're probably clueless. They're probably not the best person to give advice. Not that you can't be polite and listen, but there comes a point, just like with this person, where they say, you know, I'm getting this advice from my family and they all mean well and I know they love me. I mean, she didn't say this, but I'm assuming that this is the backdrop of this. They all care about me and they want to support me. And then they say something like, uh, you should maybe go outside and exercise to get rid of that depression. I'll tell you what, I tried that. <laughs> when I was in depression in my 20s, I wanted to get out of it. I somehow got a Tony Robbins tape or CD back then and just started listening to the audiobook, or maybe I read the book, I'm not sure. And he was talking about depression and he said, you know, one thing you want to do is go out and take a step and every step you take, you want to say every step I take, I'm getting better and stronger and faster. You know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, get outside, move. You know, people with depression have this slumped over look and you need to stand tall. You need to stick your chest out. So I tried all this stuff. I went outside and I said every day or every step and every day I'm getting better and better, something like that. And that helped zero. <laughs> that did nothing for me. Any amount of exercise I got, any amount of self-talk, uh, affirmations, all of that stuff did nothing for me. I was still depressed. I still had the challenge of depression. It felt like I was completely disconnected from my emotions. I don't know if everyone experiences depression the same way, but I look at depression as a suppression of thought, which leads to a repression of emotion that leads to depression. So you have a thought and you want to express yourself to someone, for example. Like, hey, that person really ticked me off. I want to express my anger to this person. But instead of expressing it, you suppress it. So what happens? That stays inside. You stuff it down. But there's also emotion there. I'm angry. So now that I haven't expressed that anger, I'm going to repress it and stuff it down with that thought. Now I have this thought and this emotion inside of me 
and I move on with my life and I never express it and they get away with whatever they get away with and I hold on to this anger and I walk around with it and then soon the anger disappears because it's stuffed so far down that it's almost forgotten and the problem is it's still in there this doesn't have to turn into depression. I'm not saying that every suppressed thought and every repressed emotion turns into depression. But if you're walking around with this stuff because there are things that you never said to people and feelings that you never expressed to those people or other people, therapists, friends, family, partners, whatever, then you are walking around with this and these thoughts and feelings that you have, they fester inside your body and they cause problems. Sometimes they're physical problems. I had an ulcer for a long time, or I think it was an ulcer. It was something that was burning a hole in my stomach. Sounds like an ulcer. Whatever it was, I held on to anger for all that time, but I didn't know it was anger. I just stuffed whatever I was feeling down didn't want to express it, didn't want to confront. I had a fear of confrontation. I had a fear of abandonment, a fear of rejection, a fear of honoring my boundaries. If somebody did something and they walked all over me or they took advantage of me, I was more likely to stuff it down just to keep the peace. So I thank my mom for that. Not that she did that to me, but she did that to herself. And as a child, I absorbed that. I would watch my mom suppress her thoughts and repress her emotions with my alcoholic stepfather, you know, her husband. And so I learned how to not communicate with people and keep things back. And I learned how to become depressed. Now, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily become depressed. But when I was older and got into my own relationships, that depression starts to build over the years that you do that more and more. And then when your entire reliance, like for me, was on someone else, I always had to be in a relationship because I needed that person to be in my life so that I would be happy, meaning I would drain them of their happy energy and make sure that I had it. There's a bigger story there. But when we have people in our lives that we depend on for our happiness, for our joy, for our companionship, and we put too much stress on them to show up as our sole provider of these things. I mean, companionship's probably not in that mix, but, you know, happiness. If our sole provider of our happiness is our partner, is our family, is our best friend, then what do we have left when they're not here? This is something that I feared a lot of my life is that if I didn't have someone else in my life, then I would have to face loneliness. I would have to face the feelings of abandonment and rejection. And I didn't want those feelings. So I made sure I always had someone in my life. But the people in our lives feel that. They feel the drain. Oh, you want to be around me all the time. You're so clingy. You're so possessive. You're so jealous. They feel that drain and they start to disconnect. They start to distance themselves from us when we do that. Hopefully you haven't experienced that, but if you have, there's some of the reason why is that we, we are almost obsessively clingy 
that we drain them. So we don't want to do that. That's something that I'm not really talking about that today, but that's how I was brought up. And one of the many dysfunctions I had was not being able to express myself and stuffing that back down and not being able to express my emotions, not even showing people my emotions, wouldn't want to be vulnerable. So I would stuff those things down. And uh, over time, that festers into physical ailments, emotional triggers, the things that set us off, like they come out of nowhere. Soon we're just exploding for no reason. And so we carry around these emotional triggers and we are also getting depressed at the same time. And then we are in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, even higher, when suddenly we start to shut down. It's sort of like you are drinking poison all your life and you refuse to puke it out. Sorry to be so graphic, but in the hospital, they're going to pump your stomach if you drink poison. And if you drink a little bit of poison every day, I guess there's two ways that could go. You could develop an immunity for it, but you can also destroy your organs, your insides. Or you could do both. You could develop an immunity, meaning it doesn't affect you anymore, and destroy your organs. I'm sure there's other things that could happen when you drink poison every day. But when we look at perhaps like developing an immunity, if I was going to use this analogy, you can develop an immunity to not being angry. That's a weird way to put it, but think about something that makes you angry. And let's just say that you had to face it all the time and you never addressed it. You're pretty much going to develop not so much an immunity, but a resilience. That resilience becomes a toleration inside of you. So you tolerate and tolerate and tolerate. And all the while you're stuffing it down, stuffing it down, stuffing it down. And that can turn into depression. And I'm telling you, if you've never experienced depression, it sucks. <laughs> it is the worst. And I never want to go there again. It is a dark place, devoid of emotions. Again, this is my experience. It may not be someone else's. But I certainly didn't like it because when you're in that state, you are completely apathetic. You are completely emotionless. You are disconnected. What used to bring you joy no longer brings you joy. What used to bring you pain no longer brings you pain. What you used to laugh at is no longer funny. What you used to love, you no longer care. So you are inside this big empty room with no stimulation. And even when a clown comes in riding a unicycle on top of an elephant, you may not even have a reaction to it. You may say, oh, look, a clown on an elephant uh, riding a unicycle, juggling balls, and um, that's impressive, but, you know, whatever. This is what can happen. And it can be worse than that. It can be such a dark place that you just want to take your own life. These are the thoughts that come up when you're depressed. So if you're in that space now, I completely empathize. I know what you're going through, or at least my experience of it. That was an awful time in my life. And healing from depression for me was reversing the process. This is something that was very difficult to do. But I tell you what, if you're in depression now and you want to reverse this process, this is good practice. 
What is reversing the process? Reversing the process is expressing the thought, experiencing the emotion, and getting it out of your system. You can either stuff it down and lock it in your system or express it and release it because when you do, what festers? Not that. There's nothing that can fester if you don't suppress the thought and don't repress the emotion. Well, I shouldn't say nothing, but there could be other underlying emotions that you have to deal with. But the major funnel into depression can often be that suppression of thought and that repression of emotion and bring you into that depressed state to the point where it's so hard to function that you barely get through a day. You just want to sleep all day. You don't want anyone to call you. You don't want to talk to anyone. And you will often try to put on a smile and pretend nothing's wrong. This is something that we do as humans. We don't want to just show our vulnerable side, our weak side to everyone. So we put on that fake smile and we move through life. If you're feeling any type of depressed state. And I like to look at depressed states as temporary and depression as temporarily permanent. Probably not the best way to put it, but a depressed state could be, oh, I just lost someone I love. I got to deal with this. How do I deal with this? I want to go into a shutdown mode. And so you might be in that depressed state for a while. Depression could be a lifetime of withholding your thoughts and emotions. So imagine a lifetime of doing that and you get to that apathetic point where nothing matters and you don't care. How do you explain that to people? How do you tell people, look, uh, I'm depressed and everything that Paul just said for the last 15, 20 minutes is how I'm going to explain my depression to you. I mean, this is, this is what the person who wrote the email wrote. It's like these people come up to me and they want to fix me and they want to repair me. They think they have the advice for me that this lifelong, sometimes lifelong affliction that I'm dealing with is going to be corrected by some stupid little piece of advice from someone who has no clue what I'm going through. And I'm not trying to put anyone down that does this. I'm giving you the perspective of the person experiencing a challenge where somebody comes along and says, oh, this is all you need to do, or why don't you try this? Maybe this will help. Those people are well-meaning. They probably care about you so much. They just may not have a clue what you're going through. It's not their fault. It's just they don't know. This is why I do this show. I, I come out and explain things in a way so that maybe you would have a way to explain it or share a show like this with someone and say, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm going through. And this is why when you say, hey, you just need to change your diet, it won't work for me. This is why it doesn't work for me. Because it's a huge challenge to explain something like depression or generalized anxiety or you know anything that other people haven't experienced. Until they experience it, they won't know. And you'll always hear different thoughts from people who went through it. Because there's the person who says, oh, you're depressed? Why don't you just try this? And then there's the person that says, oh, you're depressed? Oh my God, I know exactly how that feels. 
right there. I didn't even give you any suggestion in that last comment. Like the person who came up and said, oh, I know exactly how you feel. That person suddenly empathized with you. They didn't just shoot off some advice and say, you should try this. They empathized. They got into that state with you. I think that's a huge first big step forward to connect with someone who's going through something like this. I mean, if you've never experienced what somebody else is going through, it's probably best not to say, why don't you try this? <laughs> why don't you just do this? I mean, it's not that you can't give advice or suggestions, especially if they ask. I only like to give advice and suggestions, at least when I'm in person. I mean, obviously the show is different. It's a different medium. I'm putting it out there. People who want to hear it are going to turn it on. But when I'm one-on-one, -on -one, and not just with coaching, but when I'm with friends, when I'm with people who are going through challenges, nothing shoots out of my mouth. <laughs> nothing like, why don't you try this? Or maybe this will work. Or, hey, I'm a coach. Let me tell you what to do. I learned a long time ago that's not a good idea because some people aren't ready for the answer. Some people need the incremental steps it takes to get to the point where they may even start to ask for the answers. But they might need to go through some challenges. They might need to go through some personal growth experiences before they even get to the point where they're open enough or in a space where they can accept any type of suggestion or advice. And I found that almost always, if somebody is not ready and in that space to receive advice or suggestions, that whatever you tell them won't stick and might even be rejected permanently. You could have the answer for someone. You could say, I know exactly what you need to do. This is what you need to do right now. And if they're not ready to receive it, they may not only reject it, but they may resist it to the point where they never, ever try it. That happens, especially if the person giving advice is always that person that gives advice and they get sick of it. Because you can have some really wise people on the planet giving the greatest suggestions and advice in the world, things that will actually work for people, but if they're not in that open state, they may be sick of hearing advice from that person. They may tell themselves, that person always just shooting their mouth off. I'm not going to listen to anything they say. And suddenly that person becomes the boy who cried wolf. People stop listening. They just stop listening because you're always crying wolf and there's never a wolf. So I'm not listening to you anymore. I'll put on a fake smile and listen for a while, but I'm not really going to take anything in. So this is what happens is that you can have the best intentions and you can give the best advice, but if somebody's not open to it and receptive, they may resist it and they may resist it permanently. That doesn't mean they will open their mind later because permanence is still temporary. <laughs> I like to look at depression as a permanent thing that is temporary, meaning it's an indefinite period of time but it doesn't have to last, and it shouldn't last. We can all experience depression. We can all experience some form of repressed emotional state. But we should always be able to bounce out of it too. And my process of reversing suppressing of thought and repressing of emotion is expressing thoughts 
and expressing emotions, experiencing those emotions. I might say, you know what? I'm really angry that you did that. That was very disrespectful and I deserve to be treated better. That would be an opposite behavior for me in my life. When I used to stuff it all down, the opposite of that behavior would be to express what I feel and what I believe they're doing that is harmful to me or disrespectful or doing something to take away my power. And that has been a risk for me all my life. And it's a risk for a lot of people. Because if you have some old dysfunctions as your primary reasons for some of your behaviors, if those dysfunctions are running the show, then the behaviors that you're doing will be based on those dysfunctions instead of based on things that empower you. Because there's a big difference in honoring yourself when you know you deserve better treatment and letting someone else disrespect you or put you down or make you feel bad and allowing them to do it, allowing them to walk on you, even if they don't mean to. People can do things inadvertently that we get angry about and we don't say anything about it. Where does it go? goes inside. There's more to talk about on this. I'm going to come back and uh, respond to this person's email and um, we'll see what we can tell people that try to be helpful. And if that's you, maybe you'll get something from this today. And if it's not you, then maybe it'll help you reply to people that just want to help. We'll be right back after this. you're hearing is me playing the game best fiends this is something i had to do <laughs> it was last night in fact uh i had a toothache yes uh last week i talked about going to the dentist i still need to go back there are still issues with that but uh i couldn't sleep so i woke up and i played best fiends this is like best friends without the R, best fiends. It is a can't put down mobile puzzle game with over 100 million downloads and counting. It is free to download and literally has millions of five star reviews on the Apple App Store and Google Play. I thought, you know, I really should be asleep, but I can't sleep. I had to take an ibuprofen, got my toothache under control, and uh, then I just laid there waiting for the pill to take effect. And I couldn't go to sleep, so pulled the cover over my head, make sure that the light didn't wake up my girlfriend, turned the volume down, and played the game until I eventually fell back asleep. And thankfully I did. <laughs> but I'm so glad that I had a game like Best Fiends. And I am telling you about it because it's probably going to be something that you enjoy too. It is a game where you match items and drag your finger along the matched items and they disappear and then the things fall and give you points and... Those little creatures that we call fiends, they help you solve each level and defeat the slugs, and it just makes time go by. I mean, sometimes we need a game or something to occupy our mind. I know we're supposed to meditate, we're supposed to read, we're supposed to do all this stuff, but sometimes you need a break. Sometimes you have to balance out your life, give yourself some playtime. This is what I do. I like to get some playtime every now and then because, you know, sometimes you're waiting in line and you just have to do something while you're waiting. 
I tell you what, some of the social media that we get nowadays, some of it's not so friendly for our mind. So why not get something that is friendly, enjoyable, and fun to play? I recommend Best Fiends. I want you to try it out. Go to the Apple App Store or Google Play. Look for Best Fiends, F-I-E-N-D-S. You're going to want to play level after level, and don't be surprised if you end up kind of obsessed. (laughs) Download Best Fiends for free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Welcome back. Like I said, we're going to talk about what we can say to people that have the best intentions, want to support us, are well-meaning, and they just want us to be better. What should we say to these people when they come up and they say things that really don't apply to us or maybe isn't helpful advice? There are people that say things that really want to help. They really care about us. And then there are people that are known as fixers or rescuers. And that is often a dysfunction. I apologize if I'm offending anyone here, but that is often something that certain people will do because they think that is the right thing to do. Like I was saying in the last segment, it's not always the right thing to do to give advice and give suggestions on how someone can improve themselves if they're not open to it because you could actually cause them to resist what you're telling them. And you could also cause them to not like you anymore. This is something that I've had to learn myself. I wasn't so much the rescuer, but I was always the people pleaser. I always wanted to get up and get them a drink of water before they were thirsty. (laughs) I always wanted to make sure things were done before they knew they wanted them done. That's great in certain environments. I think that helped me get raises and promotions when I used to work nine to five in different places in certain relationships where people aren't asking for things, but they're getting them anyway, it can become annoying. If you haven't heard my episodes on people-pleasing, those episodes are very helpful if you're in that space with someone else or if you're that type of person where you just have to always try to make peace or be helpful so that people think you're nice or because you feel like it's being supportive to other people. Sometimes it's unhelpful to be too helpful. Sometimes you can upset people you're trying to make happy because you're trying too hard. Sometimes these people don't want help. They might want to just go through the challenge on their own, even though it's hard, but they'll do it and they feel a sense of accomplishment. But the rescuer can sometimes take that sense of accomplishment away. So we have to be really careful. We don't want to give advice and give suggestions and tell people the solutions when they're not ready for it. And this also works in reverse. If you're the person receiving this kind of advice or suggestions on how to improve yourself and you've gone through a series of events in your life that brought you to the place you're in now and the person giving you the advice or suggestion hasn't been in your shoes, it's going to be very difficult to hear it from them. This works for me as well. I've never been in certain shoes in my life. For example, I've never raised a child. And having never raised a child, I have to be very careful how I give advice for parents. Some people might hear that and go, I would never take your advice, Paul. (laughs) That's fine. 
I do know about relationships and communication, so I think that can be helpful. And I also was a child, and that aspect can be helpful. But if somebody said, well, you know how you wake up every hour on the hour when they cry? I might say, well, no, I haven't experienced that, but I imagine it's difficult. And they may look at me with daggers in their eyes and say, difficult? You have no idea. (laughs) So I understand. I'm not here to do that to you. But there are always aspects of what somebody has gone through that can help you relate to them. And uh, this is one of the things that can be helpful to reply to people that are helpful to you. So, for example, somebody comes up to you, let's just say that you've experienced depression or you're in depression or you're experiencing some sort of challenge that they have no clue about. But they say, well, why don't you just change your diet? Why don't you just get some exercise or something like that? It is hard to put everything that I just talked about into a quick seven-second sales pitch. (laughs) It's probably not the best way to put it, but something that convinces them right away that you've either tried it or that's not going to work or you don't understand what I'm going through. Changing my diet isn't the problem. This is the problem. Not only may they think that you're coming off a little harsh or ungrateful, that could happen, but they also may get defensive and say, well, fine, I'll never help you again. We have to be really careful sometimes of how we respond to people. Not that we're responsible for how they respond to us. Not that we're responsible for their emotional state. But if we want to keep certain relationships and try to keep the peace in some way, shape, or form, we have to understand that they may not have ever been in our shoes. So how can we respond in another way? And I think one of those ways is analogy. We can tell them something that relates to what you're going through to help them. And you do that by asking yourself, first of all, a question like, why is what I'm going through so bad? Why is what I'm going through? Why is depression so bad? So you ask yourself that. And what comes up? What's your answer? For me, if I was trying this on right now and I still had depression, I'd be like, okay, why is depression so bad? Well, uh, because I can't feel anything. I feel like um, I just want to sleep all day. Okay, so depression has these effects on me that perhaps the person I'm talking to can relate to. So instead of just saying, I have depression you don't understand, or let me explain depression to you, it should only take me 45 minutes to uh, four days. (laughs) So we may not want to do that, but we may be able to ask ourselves, well, why is depression such a bad thing? Why is it so bad? Why don't I like it? And then we come up with these answers, and then we can use those answers in our reply to them. So we can say something like, have you ever felt like you just wanted to sleep all day long, that might be something they can relate to. Because some people can't relate to what you're going through, but they can relate to the effects of what you're going through. So let's just say that you have um, an eating disorder. If you have an eating disorder and somebody comes up and says, well, why don't you just stop eating? Or why don't you eat healthier? Why don't you exercise? Why don't you buy organic food? That'll be better. You are going to have trouble expressing to them exactly what you're going through. There's probably a lot of stuff wrapped up in there. There's emotional stuff and there's physical stuff. It's just a lot to explain and they would never understand unless they went through it. So ask yourself, well, why is this eating disorder so bad? Let's just say that you're bulimic and you eat a lot of food and then you purge it. You vomit it out. 
and um, somebody comes up and says, well, just don't eat as much food. You're going to feel so invalidated, first of all. It's going to be minimized right in front of your eyes and ears, and you're going to think this person has no idea. You're going to feel isolated. You're going to feel like they don't understand, and they don't. Because for somebody to say something so elementary to you, it's going to create a resistance in you about them. It may even cause you not to like them, and anything that they say from this point on won't be helpful. They're telling you something so unrelated to what you're going through, even though they might have a practical point, it's just not something that you may be able to accomplish because you're bulimic. So if you are, ask yourself, and again, use your own challenge, but why is having bulimia so bad? That may be a stupid question, but what comes up? Why is having this challenge that you're going through so bad? The bulimic might have a lot of answers to that. But, you know, this is one of those things that I can't relate to, so I'm going to look at something very basic about bulimia, which is the purging part. The purging part has a lot of effects to the body. It can cause disintegration of the teeth. It can cause some throat issues. It can create real physical issues. And those physical issues are a huge challenge. So... Why is it so bad? Uh, maybe one of the reasons is they're embarrassed. Maybe it's an embarrassing thing to go through. And so you could reply to someone who says, well, why don't you just eat less? Your reply might be, well, have you ever been so embarrassed about something that you didn't want to tell anyone about it? And if you told them, they might make fun of you or you might feel shame or guilt or something like that. It's not a direct answer to their suggestion, but what you're doing is you're helping them relate in a way to the effect that you feel or one of the effects that you feel. So you can put them almost in the same state of mind that you're in. And this is, again, a huge issue. Hopefully you don't have to explain this to anyone. And hopefully anyone that knows you have bulimia isn't going to say something that might be considered very insensitive. But let's just say that it happened and they say something like that, how can you respond to it? I'm asking you to ask yourself the question, why is that challenge? Why is bulimia so bad? And this will then give you a response for them. So your response is going to be different than somebody else's, but you're going to have some things that pop up. And those things that pop up can be something that they can relate to. For example, uh, my teeth hurt. Your teeth may hurt because when you purge, the acid from the stomach can hit your teeth. I don't know all the science. I might be wrong about this, but I'm assuming that there's a lot of acid that hits the teeth and starts to disintegrate them. And if I'm wrong about that, I apologize. But I think that's what happens, at least from people I've known that have done this. Then you know what tooth pain feels like. You know that feeling. And most people do. So this may not be a, your exact response. This might be a bad example, actually. But most people can relate to a toothache. Just like I was saying during the break, uh, I had this toothache. I woke up in the middle of the night. It really happened. <laughs> it's it's what, I, what I went through. So if somebody said, hey, have you ever had a toothache? I can go, oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. I've had that happen just last night. And then you can relate to them at that level. So you may not be able to say, no, that suggestion's not going to work. But you can say, well, have you ever had a toothache that never went away? Have you ever had some pain that never went away? Have you ever had to deal with something that was constant, that it just took a toll on you emotionally and physically? Most people are going to relate. 
And when they're in that relatable state, that's when you can say, so I'm in that state all the time. So that's what I'm experiencing. I wish it was that easy. It can be something like that. I wish, you know, just eating less or not eating those particular foods. I wish it was that easy, but it's not. And that is stemming from what you might say to them, which is, uh, have you ever experienced this yourself? It helps get people into an empathetic state. So this is kind of like step one of this. Help them get into that state, but they're not going to be able to do it by asking them, hey, have you ever felt depression? Or, hey, have you ever felt bulimia? I mean, they may be able to do that, but people saying those things or giving you suggestions that seem insensitive or just unhelpful probably haven't experienced what you're experiencing. Their life didn't lead up to where you ended up. Their life led to where they ended up. So it's important to understand the effects of what you're going through instead of what you're going through, if that makes sense. It's not the depression. It's the effect of depression. It's the wanting to sleep because you feel completely miserable and lifeless or something like that. Many people can relate to that. They've had at least one day or one week of feeling that because of things that happened in their life. So a lot of people can relate to that. So when you get them into that empathetic state and you say, that's how it is for me all the time, all the time. What you're saying now, I am so grateful that you have a suggestion, but it's so much deeper than that. I mean, this gets you out of the 20 to 30 minute explanation that I did about depression and other things that I'm talking about in this episode. It gets you out of that explanation state and puts you in a place where you can share something that they can relate to. So that's, again, one way to reply to these people. Another way to reply to people that are just trying to be helpful and they're telling you things that are probably practical but very impractical for what you're going through is to keep it even simpler because some people are relentless. You keep it simple to the point where you say, thank you so much. And then you leave it at that. You don't tell them that you're going to try it. You don't tell them that you have tried it. You don't tell them anything like that. You just say, wow, thank you so much. I appreciate that or something like that. You don't have to say, wow, but I'm grateful that you said that. Thank you. Now, hopefully they'll just say, you're welcome. And that'll be it. Or they might be relentless and say, well, have you tried that yet? And at that point, you can tell them the truth. Yeah, I've tried that. It, it didn't work for me, but I am thankful for your support. I'm grateful that you said this because it really reinforces how much you support me. So what I'm doing is I'm taking away the focus from their advice and putting it on their intention. Think of that as a way to connect with them and not be so offended by them because they're giving you a suggestion that you know doesn't work and just come back at them focusing on the intention. Well, that was very kind of you. Thank you so much. They might walk away feeling great. Wow, I just, I just gave him or her some advice and they took it well. I feel good about myself. Not that it's your job to do that, but this helps you stay out of the bigger picture because you know that there are people that will not understand what you're going through or have been through. So sometimes you have to take the fast, polite way, which is to focus on the intention. The intention is probably kind and caring, or it could be dysfunctional like the rescuer, the fixer. But what are you going to do? You're going to try to tell them they're a rescuer, tell them they're a fixer. You could. You could take the honest route. <laughs> you could be totally honest and say, what are you trying to do? Rescue me? You know, that's dysfunctional and you should probably get yourself to a psychiatrist. 
I guess you could do that. I don't like to be so uh, abrasive, so I try not to be. And I also like to keep the peace if I can. Maybe the rest of the relationship's great and they fail in the advice department all the time or a lot of the times. So how can I just say thank you and move on? I'm just going to focus on the intention. Their intention is probably well-meaning. So I'm going to focus solely on that and say, wow, thank you so much. That was very kind of you and I feel a lot of support coming from you. I am grateful. Thank you. And you leave it at that. Don't expand upon it. Don't say, well, no, I tried that. Don't go into that. Just leave it at that. And again, I know that there are some people out there that will need to know that not only do you acknowledge that, but you're going to try it. So there are people out there, they're going to ask you, have you tried it yet? This might be later, but there are people that are going to say, okay, uh, just eat less and or eat healthier. And then you'll say, oh, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. I am grateful for that. I feel your support. I feel your love. And I just, I love that about you. I mean, you can exaggerate if you want, or maybe it's true for you. Maybe you do feel all that stuff. I might tend to exaggerate sometimes because uh, maybe it's an old dysfunction of mine too. <laughs> but I like to make people feel like they are being helpful. Probably not in this case, but for the most part, the relationship's good. So I want to keep the relationship and I might say something kind back because I do believe their intentions were kind toward me and supportive. But let's just say they come back and say, well, did you try it? At that point, you can definitely expand upon it and say, yeah, I tried it. It didn't work for me, but I'm still grateful for that. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And they may say, oh, it didn't work. Well, why not? You know, what's going on? Did you try eating less? And then you might say, I've done it before and it's just so much more complex. And I wish I could really get into the details with you of what happened. But even when I did that, I still did the same behaviors. And if they're a real fixer, they're the ultimate rescuer, they're going to say, okay, let's tackle this. Let's get this resolved. And now you're going to feel like you have to go along with whatever they're saying. And I don't want you to have to feel that way. So let's give you another step in the right direction with this when responding to people. If they're still not understanding that, you know, you're not asking for any more advice and you don't really want their advice, when they start to expand upon it and say, okay, let's dig into this and find out what's going on. If you're not in that space, that's all you have to say. I'm not in that space right now. I mean, that's a simple answer. I'm really not in that space right now to, to talk about this. It's a pretty heavy thing for me. And I love your support. I love that you're willing to put some energy toward this. But I'm just not in that space. I want to enjoy this time with you and worry about that later. That's another approach. I want to enjoy the time we have together right now and not focus on that. So that can be another approach. And I know this is complicated. Conversations don't always go this easily and effortlessly, but uh, these are just philosophical ways to think about it. So when you're in a situation like this, you can remember these short, sweet replies that can help you not get into the big picture of how complex and deep your situation is. We want to just kind of squash any deeper investigation so we can move on. Which brings me to point three or four, which is um, how you show up in a conversation or any situation with somebody else who might want to give you advice or a suggestion. How you show up is going to be important to the response that you get from them. So if anyone knows 
that you're always depressed because you've talked about it or you've confided in them and they continue bringing it up, continue giving suggestions and you just want their suggestions to stop. You just want them being, quote, helpful to stop. Another approach is to fake it. Put on that fake smile and pretend everything's okay. This is not <laughs> this is not something I would normally tell you. This show is all about being authentic and honoring your boundaries and standing up for what's right and increasing your self-worth and your self-esteem. But maybe I should add it's also about avoiding stupid conversations you don't want to have. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to avoid a stupid conversation that you don't want to have. And sometimes that might mean you approach somebody in a way where they can't tell something's wrong. That can be hard, especially if you're dealing with something that's very easy to tell. But one approach is to play a person that doesn't have this problem. That doesn't mean you completely deny it, but it does mean you might have to say, no, everything's great. Everything is great. I mean, I did this for years. I got very well versed in it, especially when I was depressed, because I didn't want to explain what was going on in my life to everyone because I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear their suggestions. I didn't want to hear their wonderful advice, especially from people who'd never experienced it. So when I was asked, how are things going? I would come up with the opposite of how I felt. I would say, you know what? Everything's going pretty darn good. Everything is great. Thank you for asking. And uh, they would say, great. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. And if they ever asked more, like, oh, what do you mean everything is great? I don't know. I just feel good. I just, I'm just feeling good. I would not cast my line to hook them, so to speak. Because sometimes you'll say things like, everything's going great. You know, I have some ups and downs. Oh, there's the hook. Oh, you have some ups and downs. Let's talk about that. No, I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to give people the hook. The hook is when there's some bait out there and they take the bait. We inadvertently do this to ourselves. We put the bait out there. People take it and now we're diving into something that we don't want to dive into. My girlfriend does this a lot. <laughs> she goes, some people don't stop talking to me. They're trying to help me and they're trying to fix me. And they just keep telling me what to do. And I'm not really sure how to tell them to go away. And so I started listening to her conversations and she puts the bait out there almost every single time. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but she does put the bait out there a lot. She will put something out there that somebody wants to know more about. She will put that curiosity out there. It's like telling somebody, oh, no, everything's fine with me. I'm just in my own space today. I mean, that could be a benign thing that somebody normal would say, oh, okay, that's great. You know, if you need anything, let me know. Or uh, do you want me to give you space myself? But then there are people that are a little bit more uh, invasive, <laughs> a little bit more wanting to know what's going on. So they might say, oh, what's happening? What's going on with you? Because they care. They might really care. Uh, and then there are people that want to rescue you and fix because they have some sort of dysfunction. We talked about that. But let's just say that you know the type of person that you're dealing with. You have to be careful what bait you put out there. So if you say, you know, everything's great and uh, I'm just working on stuff. Ah, there's the bait. I'm working on stuff. What stuff? I want to know what kind of stuff you're working on. That's the bait. 
So be careful what bait you put out there. Consider this one of the steps that if you don't want to talk about something, if you don't want to get into the big picture of something and explain your life story to someone, then you have to be careful what you put out there. And that might mean you respond with a statement that is so conclusionary that there's nowhere else to go with it. So just take this as the final tip for this. There's a lot, actually a lot more to talk about on this subject. I may bring it up again in another episode because there are people that can continue badgering you and you really don't know how to get out of it. But for now, just take this with you. Be very aware of what you leave on the table for people to look at it and get curious about. In other words, if you are dealing with some sort of physical challenge or emotional challenge and somebody finds out about it but you don't really want to talk about it, then don't put anything about it on the table and don't put anything about your state of mind that might be questioned on the table. This is why I sometimes like to exaggerate a little bit. If I'm not having a good day and somebody says, how's your day going? I mean, we get asked that all the time. Uh, I might say, it's going great. Thanks for asking. And that's it. I won't even ask, how's your day going? <laughs> I don't even want to get into that conversation. Sometimes I just want to be in my own space. I want you to be okay being in your own space. I want you to be okay giving conclusionary answers that don't require any more explanation. Because you can be in your own space. You can be with yourself, by yourself, if you want. And you do that by not putting the bait out there so you hook people in. Anything that you say that could hook someone in, that is how we get into these conversations that we don't want to get into. This is something that maybe you can think about before you get into conversations. So let's pretend that your mom always asks you the question, how are you doing? And you always say, well, you know, things are going great, but you know, my job still, and but I don't want to talk about my job. Let's talk about something else. And then she goes, your job, you know, tell me about your job. You know, let's, let's figure this out. And you think, oh, I don't want to talk about my job, but I also don't want to lie to my mom. And I'm an honest person, but I don't want to talk about this stuff. Well, that's where we get into trouble. If you don't want to talk about this stuff, don't bring it up. If you don't want to talk about your low state of mind or your low emotional state, don't bring it up. If you're pressed, say, no, everything's great. I'm doing great. And if you're pressed beyond that, what happened last week? I thought you were in a bad space. I was. And I just feel good today. So let's go back to an earlier comment I made, which is, I don't want to spend time talking about that. I really feel good. And I would like to keep this good feeling going with you. So let's talk about something else. That way, there's no, um, this is, I can't even believe I'm saying this, suspicion. <laughs> I can't believe that I have to say that you don't want to make people suspicious of your lower state. Because that's kind of manipulative. It's kind of a lie. I don't like to tell you to lie, but sometimes you don't want to get into these conversations. So maybe it's not about lying. It's about self-preservation. It's about keeping the relationship the way you want it instead of turning it into one that becomes offensive or something that you resist. And when you can keep the relationship and work on yourself and get through your things in your own way or with other people that aren't trying to fix you, that are helpful and you are actually asking for their advice and reaching out to them because you're open to their suggestions, that's a different story. But when you're getting unsolicited advice and suggestions, that can be what 
we're talking about in this whole episode, resisting those suggestions to the point where you just don't want to hear from the, that person anymore, or you'll never reach out to them again. It's like the, um, the book that you picked up 20 years ago, and you started reading through it, and you go, ah, this book isn't for me. And then you find it again, and you realize, wow, this book is perfect for me now. This book is perfect. I can't believe I didn't read this 20 years ago. Why didn't I read this 20 years ago? This sounds like exactly what I need. But you didn't need it 20 years ago because if you did, you would have picked it up. And if you picked it up 20 years ago, you wouldn't have been receptive to it. You may not have learned anything reading it. You may have gotten bored with it. I know when I was younger, I would have gotten bored with all of this personal growth and development stuff. I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't in that space. I was in an entirely different space. I believed I didn't need help. So when you're in that space, of course, not much is going to be helpful. But 20 years later, I'm looking for all those old resources that I came across and I'm trying to figure out how do I get that back? I need those resources. Why didn't I read these before? They wouldn't have worked before. I would have gotten bored. I would have thrown them away. I would have done something else with them. I mean, maybe something would have hit. Maybe something would have helped. But back then, I was just not receptive to it. So this is what happens, is that we'll get suggestions and advice from people, from books, from podcasts, from videos, and we'll hear it, but it won't have an effect on us until we're ready to hear it. This is why I've gotten letters that say, you know, not every show applies to me, but there's always something in every episode that I can take away, that I can use in my life. Somebody might listen to this episode, which sounds like it might be a lot about repressing emotions and depression and things like that, but they take away something that they didn't realize they needed that had to do with something else in their life. So that can be helpful when you're ready for it, which is why I probably go off on tangents sometimes because I'm trying to hit every angle, trying to hit all the facets of life, and uh, hopefully everyone listening will get something from these episodes. But if you don't, well, my only suggestion is to keep listening. <laughs> keep listening. Listen next week. Listen to last week's again. Maybe you'll get something different from it. Or maybe you're fully healed and you need no improvement whatsoever, and a show like this isn't helpful at all. If that's the case, why are you listening? You don't have to listen to this stuff. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm helpful. Hopefully, what I'm talking about today is helpful to you, and uh, I appreciate you tuning in. Yes, we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to go to my thank yous and goodbyes, and I appreciate the person who wrote this. I hope it helps you and anyone listening that might be going through a challenge. Again, there's a lot more to talk about on that, but uh, I'm going to leave it there because uh, I'm running out of time and running out of energy. I think I need a protein shake or something. Be right back, and uh, I'll say my thank yous and goodbyes and uh, close the show after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want you to remember to keep that balance in your life. If you're like me and like to play games on your phone, check out Best Fiends at the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. That's Best Friends without the R, Best Fiends. And I want to thank the financial backers of this show, Kate. Kate, you give very generously every month. Thank you so much. Victoria, you too. Tracy, Crystal, Nikki, Lisa. Wow, Lisa, you've been giving for so long. James, Crystal, Christy, Christina. Wow, three K sounds in a row. 
Uh, Christina, you're a new patron. Thank you so much. I am grateful for you. Thank you for joining and supporting the show. Andrea, thank you. I appreciate all of you. You are all special to me. I am very grateful to you. Anyone can join the patron program over at moretob.com. That's where you can show your support for the show and also give back there. There are private episodes that I don't put on the air anywhere else except there. Uh, I offer free workbooks and worksheets and I have a video archive over there. So check out moretob.com if you find value in the show and you want to give back. So thank you, patrons. And I also want to thank, uh, I pronounced his name last time, Huey. Huey donated again. You already donated once. You donated again. So I am shocked and I am grateful for you, Huey. Thank you so much. And I always mention anyone that donates, any financial backer on the show, because that's what keeps the show going. We need finances to keep the show going. And I don't do an hour-long begathon. <laughs> I just mention it at the end of the show if you're interested in doing that. And if you can do that, head over to moretob.com. And if you can't, then just the fact that you're listening is helping my cause. My cause is wanting you to heal, grow, learn, and evolve so that the planet becomes better, so that I live on a better planet. It's a very, very selfish cause. <laughs> so I appreciate you listening. Thank you for your support. And thank you, Huey, and the rest of the patrons. I am grateful for all of you. And I have another podcast I want to mention called Love and Abuse, if you've not listened to it yet. And you have a difficult relationship with someone, like those people who won't stop trying to help you. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily for those, but if you have a difficult relationship with someone, if it's any type of controlling behavior or manipulative behavior or emotionally abusive behavior, which is kind of all the same thing, head over to loveandabuse.com and check that out. It is for anyone that is scratching their head trying to figure out how to deal with someone in their life or how to resolve some sort of relationship issues that you're going through. Loveandabuse.com. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And to end the show, I'm going to talk about something a little bit different, which is when you are carrying around guilt about something that you did to someone. Maybe you betrayed them. Maybe you hurt their feelings or whatever you did. But they moved on. So you're no longer in contact with them. They've moved on and they're happy again. I had someone ask me, is it better to tell them to get it off your conscience or does it make things worse if you do that? So let's just say that um, you were in a relationship with someone and you had an affair and then that relationship failed. It just stopped and the person that you cheated on went on to have a happier relationship and they have a great life, but you feel really guilty about the affair. You are carrying around this guilt. You can't get it out of your mind. You want to tell them the truth. You want to be honest with them. But is that a good thing to do? You know, this is a little tricky. But the way I look at it, if you're no longer in contact with someone and they've moved on and they've not learned about your bad behavior or your betrayal or your whatever, lying to them, whatever it was, and they're not thinking about it, and they're not upset with you, and they're just in their own life again, I don't think it's a good idea to bring it up. I don't think it's a good idea to suddenly interrupt their life and say, hey, you know, when we were together and we had that relationship, yeah, I cheated on you. I just wanted to let you know. It was on my mind, and I just thought it would be best for you to know. 
you might alter their life. You might change their life in a bad way. You could change their life in a good way too. I'm not saying that this is a perfect solution or a perfect formula, but if you're no longer in touch with the person and you're no longer connected with them and they've moved on and they don't seem to be harboring any resentment or hurt or they're not thinking about you anymore, might be the better way to look at it, then why would you bring up a past because you can't get past it? If you did something that you feel guilty about and you just can't get it out of your system, it's just on your mind all the time, I don't think it's a good idea to bring it up with people that have moved on and they're happy. I don't think it's a good idea. But the question is, what do I do with this guilt? You know, it, we're told that it's better to be honest. It's better to express. And here we go again. I'm giving you more advice to not be honest. I'm giving you more advice that tells you the truth doesn't always work. People that hear me for the first time are going to think, this is all he teaches? <laughs> this is not all I teach. This is a rare occurrence where I will say, don't be yourself. Don't be honest. Don't be authentic because of what may happen, because of the bigger picture that might explode in front of your face, because of the lives that may change, because of the results that you'll get. This could alter someone's life if you suddenly decide to tell them something that they never knew about and you feel like you can't live with it. So you're going to push it onto them. So now they have to deal with this information. It may not be for the best. Now, this doesn't apply to every situation. Like I had a family member tell me that another family member molested them. This was hard news. And I could have gone my entire life without ever hearing that and feeling pretty good about the family members and not having to deal with this information and my connection to this family member. I could go my entire life without hearing that and be perfectly happy. I'm not talking about situations like that. This is a trauma that someone experienced that I'm glad they shared with me, even though it altered my life. Even though my life changed from that point on and how I felt about this particular person, not the person who told me, but the person that was about, it changed my perspective on that person. It was worth it, even though it didn't feel good. So there are things that I believe are very good to share with certain people that maybe should be out there. And who cares if you feel bad if I tell you this, but it has to be told. Sometimes that has to happen. So I am all for that. I'm talking about if you did something that you feel guilty about, that you wanted to tell the person, and you're no longer in touch with that person, but you feel so guilty that you know if you just say it, you can get it off your chest, and maybe you'll feel better that it would be the right thing to do, but it may not be. I tend to lean toward that if the person has moved on and they're happy and they're not thinking about you anymore and they're just in their own space and they're doing their own thing, that you have to live with that burden. You have to live with the burden that you did something that you may regret and you feel guilty about. Now, I'm not saying that you should live with the guilt. I'm not saying that you have to continuously regret and feel awful about that. I'm saying that you just have to live with the burden of that information. 
Guilt needs to be healed. Thoughts of regret need to heal. I mean, regret isn't as powerful as guilt in my mind, but guilt definitely has to be healed. You have to listen to my shows on healing guilt. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Look up the word guilt. You'll see all kinds of episodes where I talk about that. Guilt is one of those things that is supposed to be temporary. You know, we're talking about permanence and temporary. Guilt is not permanent. It's not supposed to be. You're supposed to get over the guilt. There are other ways to do it, however, than to just blurt out the truth to someone whose life is going well and suddenly their life has changed because of that truth. So if they are living their life and they're enjoying life and they've moved on, you know, maybe they're in a new relationship, maybe they're doing their own thing somewhere else, but you're no longer together. So it may not be the best idea to suddenly shake up their life and say, hey, when we were together, this is what I did. So all those years, you never knew. They may be blissfully unaware, continuing their life and be happy and die without ever knowing it. Or once you tell them, it could change their life. It could make them upset. It could cause some retaliation. Who knows? I just like to look at it as if they've moved on and they're happy, you have to deal with this. You have to move back into yourself and go, okay, I did something that I regret. So what am I going to do about it? Because you have to do something about this. Now you are holding the burden of the information. Just like I had the burden of holding information about a person in my family that told me a secret about another person in my family. This person told me to keep that secret. And that didn't feel good at all. I, I wanted to say something. I had to say something, but I didn't. I didn't tell a soul. Not even the closest people in my family. I didn't tell them anything. I kept that secret. And this is what you may need to do. You may need to hold on to whatever burden that is, but you do have to heal from whatever you're holding on to, the guilt, the shame, the regret, whatever that is. Because guilt and shame should only be temporary. Regret may not have such emotional baggage with it, but it, it can still be there. But definitely need to heal from the guilt and shame. So check out my episodes on guilt. My quick fix for guilt is always doing the opposite of what you feel guilty for. If you feel guilty for cheating on your partner in the past, for example, then what you're going to do going forward is be the most loyal, dedicated, honest partner that you could ever be to someone to make up for that. Can it make up for it? That is something that you have to try. You just have to be the opposite of what you used to be or do the opposite of what you used to do so that you can reverse guilt and turn it into healing. That's the quick and dirty. I highly recommend you listen to the rest of the episodes on guilt at The Overwhelmed Brain. But I wanted to share this because the person who wrote wanted to know, okay, is it better to just tell someone what you did even though they've moved on? Sometimes it's not. Now, the other perspective is, let's just say they've moved on and they're still angry with you or they still have some sort of connection with you or they're still sad or upset. There's still something that they need resolution to. There's like an open loop that needs closed. If you still have something like that, I might be in favor of telling them the whole truth. If there was a tumultuous relationship and you cheated and then you broke up and they've moved on, but they're still like upset because you still have contact with them in some way, you could essentially tell them because they may need closure. They may need to know the reason why you did something or the reason why it failed or the reason why you became so distant or whatever it is. They may need closure and I think that would be a gift for them. 
I'm not saying this is perfect. Again, this could be something that alters things drastically. You, you might have to deal with this in another way. You might have to take the brunt of whatever comes your way after that. You have to be careful, but this is where I lean toward when somebody else isn't blissfully unaware and moving on with their life. This is where honesty may be the best policy. There's my food for thought. I hope it helps. And please don't write to me and say, I'm in a marriage and I cheated and you told me I didn't have to tell them, so I didn't. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I'm talking about people that have moved on and disconnected from you and they're living their life. You know, typically exes or family members you no longer talk to, friends you no longer talk to, but you're holding on to something. Hopefully I made that clear. If I didn't, I'm sure I'll hear about it. <laughs> anyway, again, really good to connect with you today. Always remember to keep an open mind. This is what helps you step into your power so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.